This episode of The Boat Geeks is sponsored by The Boater's Guide, a free app for Pacific Northwest boaters. The Boater's Guide is adventure and information right at your fingertips, right when you need it. Find your happy place with The Boater's Guide, a free download on your phone or tablet in the App Store and Google Play. All right, there's number two. Nope, that's not a good... (laughs) That that video that I mentioned, the number two priority. <laughs> That's the video first thing that... literally starts out. Did you have you seen it? No. It starts out with the P word. Nice. And the first thing on the screen is Bob Wise going poop. Yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. I'm sure it was it's effective. Really he funny. said seven hundred thousand views. So uh, that anyway. is our second podcast recorded. We had uh, Bob Wise, president of the Recreational Boating Association of Washington, otherwise known as Arba. Arba. Yeah, and that was a very uh, interesting guest in person. And, um, you know, the fun thing about having a guest is doing research. I dove into what Arbaugh is and has been, the history, what they're doing now, and what they're going to do in the future. And I learned a lot, and I joined. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad we had him on the podcast. I, it's, a, it's a worthy association uh, for every single Washington boater to be involved as a member. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I really, I look up to Bob Wise in, in a multiple, <laughs> <laughs> multiple ways. It's not yeah. often How I find somebody. You? Yeah. I'm six, two and, and a half. Six, two and a half. And <laughs> Mr. Wise is six foot seven. He so couldn't that's... stand in your boat, which is uh, hilarious because you have a lot of headroom in here. Uh, it's uh, about six, five. Yeah. So, um, anyway, besides being a giant of a man, um, you know, he is uh, a, a giant of a person in terms yeah. of, again, because everything that Arba is doing, it's, it is uh, volunteer. And so he has a full-time job, but he puts a lot of time into, and the organization does, into, um, you know, representing. On our behalf. On our behalf, being an advocate for Thank voters. Thank you, Bob Wise and Arba. Absolutely. So here is episode number two with Bob Wise. <laughs> Welcome to our next episode of The Boat Geeks. I am your host, Darren. And I'm your other host, Darren. Uh, we have today with us a very special guest, Mr. Bob Wise, the president of the Recreational Boating Association of Washington, also known as... Arbaugh. Arbaugh. Which do you hear most often? Um, mostly Arbaugh. Arbaugh. Most people don't know what it stands for. <laughs> well, I think I keep wanting to say recreational boaters... But yeah, it's boating. Um, but it is for boaters like us. And you are known as the 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 voice of the Northwest Boating, right? That's kind of your tagline or something I saw on the website. Yeah, people think of us as that. We're, we're mostly known for the work that we do in Olympia. So the voice of recreational boating in Olympia is what people think of. Okay. Uh, but our mission is actually quite a bit broader than that. And I'm looking forward to talking with you guys today about that. All right. Excellent. Well, we definitely will get into Arbaugh. But uh, to start, I would love to know a little bit about your background, just what your background is with boating, uh, you know, maybe the work you come from, and, and just let us know a little bit about you. Mr. Bob Wise. Well, I'm I'm a technologist by training, um, and so I've I've worked in the software and the networking business for a long time. Most notably, uh, working on 
a voice recognition software with a product called uh, Nuance uh, Communications is the company. Uh, they have a product called Dragon Naturally Speaking, uh, which was uh, kind of the foundation for almost all uh, voice technology applications uh, that you, you see these days, including the ones that are on uh, most mobile phones. Wow. I do feel like I've heard that name before. I, I am in the kind of the technology field myself, and uh, that's, that rings a bell. Yeah, Microsoft acquired the company a couple of years ago, okay. uh, but it had been around for, for quite a while, quite a large company. Excellent. Yeah. And so what is your boating experience? If you've been a boater your entire life, uh, growing up, what do you, what? I came, I came to boating later in life. Uh, I was living in the Silicon Valley, wanted to move back to the state of Washington. And I said, Hey, I want to move back to an Island and I want to buy a boat. <laughs> and, uh, and so that's what we did. Uh, so my, uh, uh, foray into boating started around 2011. And, wow. uh, when I bought my first boat, um, which was, uh, you know, quite a, quite a process to go through of learning what it takes to operate a boat. Uh, it was quite intimidating when I went out and looked at them cause I was, you know, up at the helm and I was like, I'm not sure I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> I do know that feeling. Yes. Yeah. So, um, uh, purchased the, the first boat, uh, owned it for 13 years and actually just recently replaced it about three months ago. So wow. I'm, on, I'm now on boat number two. Wow. Um, my wife uh, is absolutely adamant that it will be our last boat. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard that one. Before. No, not yeah. at all. But we'll, we'll see how that goes. So what, uh, what boats were these? What was your first boat? Uh, the first boat was a uh, Tierra Sovereign, mm. and uh, which was a fantastic boat for us. And we've just used the heck out of it. Uh, love the boat. Uh, and uh, we took it all over, uh, you know, Washington, British Columbia, uh, taking it several hundred miles north. And uh, mm. uh, just, uh, as I said, recently sold it. It's got a great new owner who mm. is just thrilled with it. And uh, so we're still seeing a lot of the boat. And uh, that's great. Excellent. And then your new yeah, boat? what do you have now? Uh, replaced it now with a Riviera. And uh, so a little bit bigger boat now that uh, the family is just a little bit older and uh, I have three daughters. So uh, nice to have lots of extra room uh, on the boat. And uh, so that's what we're cruising in now. Congratulations. Excellent. And what is your, do you have some destinations in mind now that you have a bigger boat? Are you going to go further or do you have any goals with the new boat? You know, I don't know if we're going to go further or not. I think that's a, it's a great question. I haven't really decided that. Uh, our shakedown cruise was probably a little aggressive because we picked up the boat and two days later we took it to Desolation Sound, oh, nice. which was <laughs> probably not the right thing to do with a brand new boat where yeah. you don't know all of the systems. Yeah. Uh, but other than uh, a single head problem, which of course always happens, of course. Um, uh, we didn't have any any issues. So we, we took the boat up. We did a two-week uh a break-in cruise, brought it back down. We've taken it back to Canada a couple of times. Uh, three weeks ago, we took it up to the Saanich Inlet, uh, down oh, into yeah. Brentwood Bay, which is one of our mm -hmm. favorite places to go. Um, so we had just had a nice little winter or fall cruise, I guess you would say, yeah. into Saanich Inlet and uh, uh, got the dinghy off, went into the Bouchard Gardens through the back entrance uh, there where yeah. you can, which yeah. is uh, always, That's fun. It's always fun. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we intend to cruise all winter long actually. So, uh, we're going to be out for you. there. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the best parts about boating in Washington, British Columbia in the Northwest is we get to go all year long. My wife came from Wisconsin on, uh, Lake Superior. And one of the first things she said was, uh, well, when do you pull your boats? Yeah. And I didn't know what she meant. Yeah. It's like, well, right. when do you take them out of the water? Because it's going to freeze. So it was interesting for her to get into the whole 
year-round boating concept, which right. we take for granted. Sometimes. Right, we do take it for granted. You know, other people right now they're thinking about, hey, I got to get the boat shrink wrapped. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We don't have to do that here, which is 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 fantastic. Right, there's nothing better than a beautiful winter day. In fact, when we were coming over the bridge today, the view of the mountains was just spectacular. Mm -hmm. Right, okay. it's so clear today, and uh, you know, you get those winter days when the the air quality is amazing, oh, yeah. and you can just see forever, see for so, miles. Yeah, and, and the 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 crowds. I mean, right. you get you get anchorages guest docs yeah. all to yourself sometimes which is great yeah you can coming in this morning the yeah. the you know the olympic mountains up there just beautiful i joined uh arba this morning um to Thank see you. how to see the process and so that i could explain that and, and we'll get to the member benefits towards the end um before we get into what you're doing now which is very mm. significant and important um, I did read a little bit of the history, which I thought was fascinating. Um, first of all, it's uh, you're you're based out of Seattle. Arbaugh is correct. That's well, that's where our mailing address is. Okay, mailing address. <laughs> but you're all based wherever you live. And, exactly. Yeah. yeah, we're an all volunteer organization. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How many people work for Arbaugh? Uh, only one actually person works for Arbaugh, and that's actually new. We hired our first executive director this year. Oh, wow. Up until that point, it's all been uh, done by boaters. Um, so just people that are doing this all in their spare time. Yeah, that was the part that really uh, I was really excited about was that, okay, so you're officially established in 1956, but it was running before that. Um, as the Puget Sound Interclub Association and then the Interclub Boating Association of Washington. But what I love is that it was formed by multiple clubs. That's right. And that, yeah. how did, I'm assuming you know some of the history. How did that happen? How did, what was the instigator for the clubs coming together and forming? Well, the instigator was actually a land development issue in the San Juan Islands. And so at that time, uh, recreational boating, very popular, of course, still is. And uh, the same as it is today, the San Juan Islands was a favorite destination. And there was an island up there called Susha Island that was particularly uh, attractive to recreational boaters. And it was being acquired by developers. Mm. And the plan was to develop the island, as you're probably aware, if you've been up there. It's, it's quite large, and they were going to put uh, hundreds of vacation homes up there. So it was going to be a lot of cabins. Um, and the uh, clubs at the time, particularly... Um, the Grand 14 clubs, which were the larger clubs, but really uh, a large group of clubs came together, about 50 clubs at that time, uh, to raise the money to actually purchase the island and make it a permanent marine park. And so that was really quite quite something to be done at that time. And so the clubs all came together. Uh, they raised the money, they bought the island, and then they donated to the state in perpetuity uh, as a marine park where it now remains one of the most popular marine parks actually in the United States. So um, that is how the organization was formed. And then out of that came more uh, advocacy type work uh, on behalf of recreational boating going forward from the late 50s. That alone was enough for me to join. The, just the fact, now I, my family hasn't been to the island yet. Uh, they have many times and have told us all about it. And I think that is uh, hugely significant. What an amazing thing to do as the, as Arbaugh is starting out. And uh, like you said, it is a very popular destination for people in the Northwest. And it's known, it's, it's known worldwide. I yeah. Mean, we, yeah. Wherever you go, people have heard of Susha Island. And that would not exist as it is today without the beginnings of Arba. Um, 
and it and 24 clubs f- founded Arbaugh originally yeah somewhere around that. there yeah yeah although a number of clubs more than that actually wound up contributing to uh the purchase of susha and we actually have a sign up there uh naming all the clubs actually that participated in that and, and so great. many of those clubs in fact the majority of those clubs uh, are still in existence today yeah and you have over 50 clubs uh a part of, um, as members of our about, now. about 50 clubs that's correct yeah yeah mm-hmm. So amazing. I think that's, um, like I said, that was enough for me when I saw that uh, you guys did that and purchased it and and basically gave it back to the people, which is kind of, you know, a, a lot of what you're doing with Arbaugh today is giving back to the boaters in various forms, which we'll get to. Um, but uh, I, I found that early history just mm-hmm. very interesting. And we, you know, anytime you go up to Susha Island, and uh, if you put in at Fossil Bay and you go ashore, the first thing you see when you step ashore is this big, beautiful sign. And it mm-hmm. lists all of the yacht clubs that uh, gave to the Interclub Association in the beginning. So it's, it's almost like you pay homage yeah. when you step foot on Susha Island at that point. Deserve it. You can look at any of the islands up there now and we could, have, we, we could see what Susha Island could have been. Yeah, easily. Right. Not that the other islands aren't beautiful as well and and, and great destinations they are. Um, but yeah. I think that's very special and important to point out. Uh, again, worth my twenty dollars easily. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. For, just for that. You know, I I have one little question about Susha though that you might have an answer. I've never I've never heard why those two little finger islands in Echo Bay are still private. Yeah, you know they um, they're in they're in private hands. We've been approached by the uh, owners before about uh, acquiring them, uh, but just with the the location of them, uh, the expense, we didn't think that it really was going to bring anything else uh, that we didn't already have up there. Yeah, that yeah. does make sense. Yeah. It looks like the access is not terribly it, easy. It's to not either it, one of those items. It's not easy. That's exactly right. Yeah. So some of the accomplishments besides uh, Susha Island of uh, the Recreational Boating Association of Washington is essentially you are an advocate for boaters in Washington, and you also lobby the state and the federal government. You're, you're, we're represented in D.C. as well, right? I think I read that. Uh, we're not, we don't have a formal representation contract in Washington, D.C., but... Um, as I had mentioned before, we were particularly thought of as as the voice of recreational boating in Olympia. But one thing that we found in advocacy work these days is that our footprint has gotten much bigger because mm-hmm. we have a lot of issues actually now at the local level and at the state level and at the federal level. Mm-hmm. So we're actually operating uh, on all three of those right now, which is pretty difficult for a volunteer organization. <laughs> sure. Hence our decision to hire an executive director this year. But you know, we've had a lot of issues uh, come up in the city of Seattle, particularly with things like Seattle Harbor Patrol, um, which is, you know, tasked with keeping the 200 miles of shoreline in the city of Seattle safe. Wow. And there's been difficulty in staffing that. There's been budget cuts from the Seattle City Council uh, to the Harbor Patrol. Um, they haven't even, in some cases, been able to operate their boats. They don't have enough crew to operate them. And if you think about it, if you have to come all the way from South Lake Union through the locks to respond to something in the Duwamish waterway, that's an oh, enormous boy. distance. And doing that with a single boat is tough. So that's a good example. Mm-hmm. We also had a situation that happened about a year and a half ago 
where there was uh, concern with uh, lakeside homeowners about uh, the noise levels in Andrews Bay. And Andrews Bay is the only place where you can actually anchor in Lake Washington overnight, even though it's a huge lake. Sure. Uh, so there was going to be a ban on overnight anchoring uh, in Andrews Bay. So we kind of mm -hmm. rallied around that and did an outreach effort to boaters. We got our clubs involved, and they went out there and distributed information to people asking them to keep the noise levels down, uh, turn your stereos down at night and just trying to be, you know, better neighbors. Considerate, uh, yeah. Yeah, just to be more considerate. So those are some of the local levels. And then uh, at the national level, uh, there's been particularly um, a lot of interest in uh, thoughts about removing uh, the dams on the Snake River and what's that going to do to recreational boating and the moorage facilities that are out there. And, uh, and so we're getting involved with that. There's also been uh, quite a bit of concern around the ability to rebuild marinas. Mm. And people are probably aware that um, if you compare back to several decades ago, there's actually less moorage available than there was previously. Uh, a lot of marinas have been unable to rebuild. Uh, the environmental regulations that have been put in place around the Endangered Species Act with an organization mm. called National Marine Fisheries Service um, has has basically taxed uh, marinas as they try to rebuild. Now, we're not talking about new marinas. It's just marinas that want to, you know, renew their docks because, as we all know, they wear out and, oh, yeah. and have to be replaced. Now you actually have to buy environmental credits to do that. And that's a very difficult situation for a lot of both the private marinas, but also affects the public marinas. The port districts are uh, also impacted uh, by these regulations. And so we want to make sure that there's room for us to actually uh, park our boats going forward. Thank you. Of course, yeah, we we definitely appreciate that. I didn't realize uh, that there were less slips now or moorage available than there there was previously. I did learn, I bought my first boat a few slips down uh, a few years ago, and I learned very quickly uh, <laughs> <laughs> that every marina has a very a long waiting, waiting list. list. Yes. Um, yeah. Darren was anchored out for yeah, too almost... Long. <laughs> Almost an entire summer, and it was very anxiety-inducing oh. for him. We, we, we always tell prospective boaters that it's easy to buy a boat. It's hard to get a place to moor a boat. Oh, yeah. So you, you actually want to get moorage before you buy a boat, which Absolutely. is really uh, kind Good of counterintuitive uh, to uh, what you would think. Yeah. I mean, I, we got lucky, um, you know, and, and it's funny because when I first started looking for a boat, I was looking at boats way too big. I didn't know why they were going to be too big other than, you know, of course, maintenance, but like I was looking at an 80 foot boat and had no idea. I would never be able to get a slip or moorage <laughs> in the Pacific Not Northwest. Not right up here. No, but um, anyway, that is very much appreciated by us boaters uh, and another reason to join. Um, also something that I do, an issue that I have been aware of, you know, uh, a little bit is just taxes, registration fees. Um, you have part of your advocacy has been keeping those low, right? Like I've basically heard something along the lines of the state uh, assumes all boaters have a lot of money, keep wanting to raise taxes. Yeah. Um, so what, it, what is your involvement in, in the taxes and the registration fees and so forth? Well, it's, it's really interesting. You mentioned about, the, you know, people think that boaters uh, are all rich, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody's sailing around on big yachts. And that's just really not the case. Uh, there's 250,000 recreational boats registered in the state of Washington. 97% of them are on trailers. Yes. Yeah. This is a decidedly middle-class um, activity. Mm -hmm. And um, 
you know, there's obviously a few people that have very large boats, but it's, it's really the minority. So we, we do have to counteract that a little bit. You know, the average boat actually costs less than, uh, you know, most travel trailers or other types of recreational ve mm. vehicles people buy. But it also points to this inherent uh, bias that we have in the system uh, around boating, which is, is very unique, which is that in Washington state, we pay what's called the watercraft excise tax, which is one half of 1% of the value of the boat, and it's paid on an annual basis. Now, we're the only type of vehicle or recreational uh, component that actually has this tax. So if you have a, uh, a camper or a motor home, uh, you don't pay this tax uh, on a value-based basis on an annual basis. It's only boaters that actually pay this. So uh, we're obviously concerned uh, about that, and uh, we want to make sure that those funds get invested in recreational boating. Because up until last year, 100% of those watercraft excise taxes went just into the general fund. And we were able last year to implement legislation um, which took 25% uh, of that money and actually diverted it to the derelict vessel program. Oh, wow. And so the derelict vessel program pulls old boats out of the water that have been abandoned, that are a safety hazard, that are an environmental hazard. And that program also had been funded by recreational boaters. There's a small surcharge on your license tabs every year that go to that fund, but it wasn't nearly enough. Mm. There's like 300 boats and more on the derelict vessel wow. watch program that needed to be dealt with. And we could only handle just a handful of them every year with the existing money. So we were able to basically increase the budget for that program by about a factor of 10. And this last year, they've been able to pull a couple of hundred boats out of the water. Wow, um, that's a lot. So I think that's really kind of shows the um, um, benevolent nature of boaters, right? That we want we want to be good citizens. Um, we good don't want stewards a few... of the environment. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, if there's bad actors out there, we want to make sure we come along and clean up any messes that are out there. So um, I'm, I'm excited about that. But we have seen a trend to always want to tax boaters more. Um, two years ago, we had a situation where they were trying to implement in, in Olympia. Uh, the legislature was working on coming up with a new uh, highways program for $16 billion to improve the roads in the state of Washington. And they had actually put into the bill to fund this was a doubling of the watercraft excise tax. And we thought it was kind of ironic that you wanted to double the watercraft excise tax to pay for roads exactly. that we don't use. <laughs> and uh, we were able to, to rally uh, the recreational boating community. And we got the word out to our constituents and our members and we were able to flood the email boxes mm -hmm. and and the, and the phone banks of the legislature and let them know that, hey, not only are we the only people that pay this tax, it would be kind of ironic to have us funding the roads when uh, this tax doesn't apply to things, as I said, like motorhomes and trailers and things like that. So uh, fortunately, we were able to repeal that um, and uh, and get that pulled out of the bill. So we're very proud of the work that we did there. Um, on behalf of recreational boaters. So and, and for the average Washington boater, um, how much did that save in terms of registration fees? Yeah, so on a one-year basis, we estimated the average savings at around $485, wow. right? And so if you think about that over four or five years, you know, it's several thousand dollars that we actually yeah. uh, save them. Yeah. 
And for all of you out there, if you're not a member of Arbaugh yet, <laughs> it is only the, the, the uh, basic membership is $20. And as you have heard, you know, we're already being saved significantly more than that. And there's such good causes. And um, really, it's just, you know, like your purpose is you're, you're an advocate for the boater. And, um, you know, to me, the value is just obvious. That's why, like I said, I joined this morning. Um, nobody pressured me or anything like that, but I just, as I was going through my notes and, uh, the website and seeing everything that you do and you've done, uh, it just made total sense to me. And, uh, so if you're not a member, I would highly recommend going to their website and, and joining up. It's it, totally a worthy cause. Um, now, another thing that was important to me, I already get so much junk mail, junk calls um, where, you know, I'll apply for a loan and then my information gets, you know, distributed out there and marketed. Um, I did read something that you keep the voter registration info from being sold or marketed to uh, to other companies and so forth. That's correct. We've been involved in a lot of, again, advocacy work. Um, with the legislature and the regulating agencies um, to make sure that, that privacy is maintained for, for voter registration, uh, which is very important. Yeah. And I think it kind of points to the issue. People think that, um, you know, when, when you're working with the legislature, it's just when the leg legislature is in session, mm -hmm. which is, you know, just a couple of months out of the year. Uh, but really, the work happens year round. Right. Meeting with all of those agencies. Um, they are typically lining up and, and uh, drafting new laws that they want to bring uh, many months in advance. And, and they are now recognizing that we speak for the recreational boating community. So we tend to get involved with all of those agencies many months in advance and provide our feedback on, uh, on issues that are going to become before uh, the legislature. And we get down there and we testify on behalf of legislation that we're um, supportive of and also uh, ones that we oppose. Mm -hmm. Well, we appreciate that. And thank you very much for that. That was a big one for me because any, any, you know, no. yeah. <laughs> uh, like I said, there's just so many things I was checking off that made this uh, that worth it for me. Um, and then you, you mentioned the derelict vessel removal program. That's huge I, around here. I mean, you know, it's just every year there's more and more uh, vessels and I can't imagine the work that is required to uh, to clean that all up. Is is there an average cost for uh, the removal of a derelict vessel? Yeah, well, you know, it varies so widely. Ooh, sure, right? of course. Uh, um, but the one thing that's most important is it's much easier for us to deal with a boat before it sinks. Yes, <laughs> and. The way that the legislation had written in the past is that uh, of the money that they had to spend, only a small amount of it could actually be used for what was called the voluntary turn-in program, where somebody could just say, hey, I've got this boat. Uh, I can't afford to maintain it. It's going to sink. I just want you guys to come pick it up and and handle it you know, in a responsible fashion. And so we thought that that was really short-sighted and there was lots of instances where we spent that money in the first or the state spent that money in the first few months of a biennium uh, budget and they could no longer do that. And so then the boat would have to sink. It would become an emergency situation. Um, the cost can easily skyrocket into the tens and hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars mm -hmm. in these situations. Whereas if it's a voluntary turn-in program and we can actually get it to one of the port districts and have it hauled out, 
just a few thousand dollars, yeah. right? Yeah. So not very expensive by comparison at all. Pre- yeah. Prevention yeah. is much easier yeah. too. Yeah. So we so we we had to we had to get it was written into the law that way. So we had to get the law changed, and we did that. So now that we do, we don't have a cap on the voluntary turn-in program. So if somebody has one of these boats, they can fill out a declaration and just say, I can't afford to take care of it. And it can get put on the list and it can be pulled out of the water right away. That is very good information. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And then um, you also, something that's very important, obviously, is that you support funding for uh, boater safety, education, um, and, you know, with the derelict vessel uh, removal program, uh, environmental issues as well. Do you want to elaborate on any of those? Boy, there's a, a, a lot to be said on all of, of them. Sa- sa- safety is really important. The, the boater education card uh, that that almost everybody has in the state now, um, we worked on that. There was a couple of really important things that I think we did re- in relation to the boater education card. Is number one, we wanted to make it a program where you actually learned about safety, and we didn't want to make it a license. Mm-hmm. Its uh, original plan was to have you actually have to re up and and pay a new fee every year for that boater education card. Uh, we were able to remove that so that it wasn't really just a tax. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're not in favor of just taxing boaters more. So uh, we think that that's a great program from a safety standpoint, and we're supportive of that. But uh, um, just remove some of those limitations that were in the earlier law. I actually enjoyed doing that program yeah. and and learning. I mean, it was you know it was all during mm-hmm. my everything was learning back then for me. Um, but I enjoyed it. I was proud of getting my card, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think that's super important. Um, and then can you touch on environmental issues? Obviously, the, the uh, removing the derelict vessels is a big part of that. But what else is happening environmentally in Washington? I, th- I think that the um, the derelict vessel program is actually the most important aspect of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Right? You know, there's again, there tends to be a lot of abandoned boats mm-hmm. uh, around the state and uh, just getting them out of the water, making sure that those fuels uh, are removed is is extremely important. Uh, just around here in the bays, around here, we've had several instances of boats uh, sinking just in the last few weeks, yeah. and uh, that's always very difficult when we have to boom those boats. But typically, by the time that the Coast Guard or any other agency can respond, uh, the damage has already been done. Right. Because um, uh, once the boats go down, they tend to to leak fairly quickly and and uh, distribute those fuels and contaminants. So that's our number one priority in relation to that. Now, don't tell me what the number two priority is. I'm guessing pumping out. Pumping out. Exactly. <laughs> I saw a video right. with, yeah. with Bob interviewed and right. Yeah, yeah. It, exactly. it was it was done with humor, but yeah, the number two priority. Yeah, the number two <laughs> priority. Um, you know, we actually have a fairly robust pump out program in the state of Washington with with uh, shoreside pump outs. There are some. Uh, problems with that program, uh, but we actually have one of the most developed ones actually in the state. Uh, but a lot of times people report to us that those systems aren't well maintained, so they'll pull up to a pump out dock and it'll be broken and they can't uh, pump out. Uh, the entire Puget Sound is a no discharge zone, so you are not allowed under any circumstances to pump black water overboard. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're very supportive of that. So we want to just make sure that people have access to working pump outs. There's a couple of places where there aren't a lot of pump outs. And so we're in favor of a great program that we have going now down in the Pierce County area, which is mobile pump out boats. And so seeing those mobile pump out boats is just absolutely a a great thing. You can actually schedule it. You're down in a place like Gig Harbor where there's not a lot of pump out access down there. There's one 
but a lot of times it gets busy on on popular weekends down there. Uh, the boats whip into the harbor and and can pump out you know dozens of boats very quickly and dispose of that waste. And uh, and, we, and what is the cost to? It's free. The boater. Yeah, it's, it's free. free. Right, it's free. We're yeah, very right. lucky here at Ludlow that we have you know very serviceable and working oh. pump out, but yeah. we also have a, a mobile boat that I yeah. just took advantage of uh, last week. Um, that the boat building school, I think, built for us. Yeah, Yeah, and we see that particularly in places like the San Juans where, you know, there's a lot of pressure on growth management up there and and concerns about uh, the popularity of the islands these days. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we would love to see a fleet of boats uh, up there pumping out Mm -hmm. uh, with things like Seafair Weekend. There needs to be mobile pump-out boats for all of the boats that come over there. Yeah. Um, there's still areas that aren't well served by the pump out system. And then the other issue that we're trying to get handled is the commercial boats don't really have a place where they can pull in because even in places here at Fort Ludlow, you can't bring in a 200 foot commercial boat to pump out. So we're, we're working in conjunction with the Northwest Marine Trade Association, uh, for the development of a large scale, uh, pump out location somewhere here in Puget Sound where the large boats can come and connect uh, and uh, and handle this problem too. So there's still a lot of work to do, but um, uh, we're making but you're good doing progress. It. Yeah. We're making good progress. Absolutely. Yeah. You're doing the work. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, what you've already done is hugely significant and important and appreciated. Um, besides that, uh, a larger pump-out facility in the future. What else might be in the future with Arba? Is there anything else that you're looking to in the horizon uh, to move into or what's next you know there's Always a, new stuff there's a couple of new programs that i think are, are worth mentioning uh the one issue that we saw last year was that there's a conflict in places where there's a lot of people on the water at the same time and we've particularly seen this on lake union mm-hmm. and uh in lake union the in the summertime uh just the number of people that are coming down on paddle boards and kayaks and uh uh, floating hot tubs. And, <laughs> I've and, seen some and, interesting right, vessels. Yes. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> so there's a tremendous amount of activity and there were starting to be conflicts with the seaplanes mm-hmm. that we saw there. So, um, there's a line of buoys that's actually installed on the lake during the summer months mm-hmm. where, uh, the pilots, when they're taking off and landing on the lake can actually, um, control those buoys so that they start to flash a light on top, mm. which lets people know that they should move a couple hundred feet away to mm. allow a seaplane to take off uh, or land. And, and it's only a, a visual signal. There is, it's just, there's, it's there's just, no audio. That's correct. Which it's, I think it's is just, interesting. It's just a visual signal. But what was actually happening is we were seeing boaters actually tie up to the buoys oh, to have uh, <laughs> parties. Oh man. Uh, and, and so that was concerning. And, you know, you would think that maybe seaplanes isn't really a, a mission of the Recreational Boating Association of Washington, but turns out a large number of our members use that seaplane network to mm. get parts up to their boats, yes. to get technicians up to their boats when they're cruising up north, uh, to have passengers uh, fly in and out to meet them on their boats. Um, so it's really an important linkage in the recreational boating area. And there was talk about removing the ability to have seaplanes even land at the lake. Oh, mm. wow. Wow. So, so we came up with a program uh, just to educate people about, hey, you know, you need to make way for these planes when they take off and land. And, and the word wasn't necessarily getting out. So we created a program called Mind the Zone and talked about the seaplane landing zone where <clears throat> we would just ask people to, you know, step aside for a few minutes when a plane would take off and land. 
And we send ambassadors out to talk to all the businesses that were selling and renting paddle boards and kayaks. And uh, we have actually posted informational uh, notices at every place where you can get into and out of the water up there. We created um, uh, videos and put them up on social media. The video that we put up about the mind, the zone and to educate people has received over 700,000 oh, views great. in the That's last good. year. Um, and so that was a, a program that we did with the state of Washington. The, the governor's office had actually um, uh, put up some funding to, to do that. And uh, our boss stepped in and has run that program successfully now for it'll be our second year. And we're going to do it again this coming summer in 2024. Good. And hopefully it'll continue because we don't want to have a situation where we have an accident. Sure. Uh, an accident uh, between uh, floating vessels or a paddleboard and a seaplane would be devastating. Mm -hmm. And we just want to make sure that nobody gets hurt. Well, and, and, and a plane is not a boat, but it floats. So it's a distant cousin. And yeah. so we have to be mindful of all of each other well, out think, there on the I water. Technically, uh, when a seaplane is on the water, it's, it's a boat. It's a boat. It's at yeah. the bottom of the totem pole in terms of Correct. Um, and priorities. When James Bond's car goes in the water and floats. <laughs> yeah. It's a boat at <laughs> that right. point. Yeah. And, and just, just in terms of safety, you know, safety for boaters. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, a plane is not something you want to run into yeah. out on the water. <laughs> Um, great. So it sounds like, uh, you know, past, present and future Arba has been and will be busy. I think people should go to the Arba website. Absolutely. Uh, which is arba.org. Arba.org. Arba right. We'll show that on the screen. But one thing you'll want to do is I printed out four pages of key 2023 legislative and regulatory priorities that Arbaugh has been working on this year. And it's an exhaustive list. Yeah, I don't know how you do it as uh, volunteers. That's so amazing. What will the key 2024 priorities look like? I imagine quite of these, quite a few of these will yeah, pretty, pretty turn similar. over. Right. I, I would say the last one that I would just like to mention is, is going back to the start of our conversation about Susha Island. Mm -hmm. uh, I felt that it was really important for us to make sure that we continue to preserve boating access. And as you look at the growth uh, in this area in terms of the number of people and the wealth, the ability for us to have a place like Susha Island is, uh, is dwindling. Mm -hmm. And so uh, two years ago, when thinking about how do we talk about the legacy of Arba, how do we go back to that? I wanted to do more of that. Mm. And so two years ago, we actually worked very hard and we purchased what we hope will be the next Susha Island. And that is we bought a property in South Puget Sound in the Car Inlet called the Lake Bay Marina. Now, this is a property that has a history going back to the 1880s. Wow. It was one of the Mosquito Fleet mm -hmm. stops for farming, particularly agriculture. There were a lot of large egg co-ops down there. And so those eggs would get loaded on mosquito fleet boats and then brought up to Seattle and shipped all over the country. Oh, that's great. Uh, the marina had fallen into disrepair um, uh, in probably starting in the 90s, and, and it continued to deteriorate, but it had been a, a, a really terrific little marina out there uh, for recreational boaters. And we were fortunate enough that we were able to acquire that property, and now we're working very hard to completely renovate it and uh, and to make it uh, another state marine park. So uh, that's going to take uh, several more years for us to complete, but we did acquire it. We partnered with the Department of Natural Resources on that. So 
A big shout out to them and the uh, Commissioner of Public Lands, Hillary Franz, who uh, bent over backwards to help us uh, acquire that property. Um, we were able to get the grants from the Recreational Boating Office and uh, local uh, governments and mm -hmm. from recreational boaters to pay for that. It was about $2 million. It'll take about another 3 to $4 million to completely rebuild it, but we've actually pulled the old docks out of the water now, and we're in the planning phases now with uh, uh, an architectural firm to design the new marina for us oh, wow. there, and it's going to open up an opportunity for recreational boaters much closer than Susha because <laughs> it's just south of Tacoma mm -hmm. uh, to go there. And I continue to want to do that. I want to raise the money to do that, that any time a property like that comes available or an island becomes available, that Arba is there to actually help acquire it and put it into perpetual trust for recreational wow. boating going forward. Wow. Yes. Thank you. Now, uh, Lake Bay Marina is essentially adjacent to uh, Penrose Point it's, State Park. It's almost adjacent. There's just okay. a couple of lots it's, in between, but yeah. yeah, it's right across the bay from Penrose Point State Park. That's and exactly so right. And so is the plan with Washington State Parks to create a new park or make it part of Penrose? The, the conversation that we've had, we've got a three-way uh, operating agreement right now between the Department of Natural Resources and State Parks and Arbaugh. And the plan is to actually have um, the marina rebuilt and then state parks will take it over and that their rangers will actually manage the property going forward, much in the same way that you would find it like Blake Island mm -hmm. and, okay. uh, and, and what you would find at Susha too. So uh, that is absolutely the intent to do that. And our agreement with them is that we will get it rebuilt so that we don't put the burden of the maintenance yeah. on the state parks organization, which has got, you know, significant funding issues of its own. Uh, so we'll do that. And we've, uh, uh, got a great relationship with them going forward and, and hope to find other properties like this. There is one more issue on the horizon that I would like to just get your your thoughts on, and that is in regards to the San Juan Islands. And they're proposing some kind of a pass that you have to purchase to visit the islands? Yeah, we, we, we read that. It's I, I believe it's the um, uh, the Hotel and Occupancy Board of San Juan Islands is concerned about growth management. Um, they're concerned about, you know, the number of visitors coming to the island. Uh, Arba did respond to their public request for comment on their plan. Their plan is to create a pass or a tax on every car, bike, person, and boat wow. that wants to come to the San Juan Islands. That seems kind of hard to manage from our perspective. Um, and I guess, you know, we have some concerns about that, um, uh, that I would just say we have a lot of concerns about sure. that. Yeah, we all do. We, yeah, we, we love we, to go to the San Juans. Right. We all want to go to the San Juans. We we don't want to overtax it. If, if you actually look at the data, though, their data shows that actually the number of visits by boaters has actually gone down in the last several years. So we're not sure how how difficult the problem is up there from the boating standpoint. We can't speak to the issues that they have with the number of Airbnbs up there mm -hmm. and housing and all the other things that are incorporated into this plan. Mm -hmm. uh, but we don't want to see every county starting to create their own tax system where you mm -hmm. have to have a pass to visit any county because we assume that once the San Juans do it, that Jefferson County will want to do it and King County will yeah, want to do yeah. it and everybody will want to do that. And 
um, that just seems hard and difficult for us to manage. And we were also uh, just concerned about people accessing Susha Island because Susha Island is part of the San Juans, and mm-hmm. we think we have an agreement to gift that to the state, and we don't want to put any barriers uh, for people that want to visit that. Well, we appreciate that. You're out there fighting the fight for all of us boaters. Um, To me, it's a no-brainer, absolutely, and that's why I joined. Um, And again, for all of you out there, if you've been considering it, if you haven't heard of Arbaugh, it's rbaw.org is a website. Is that correct? That is correct. And um, totally worth go there. uh, Check it out. Check out the history, who's involved, what they've done, what they're uh, doing. And, you know, if you can, sign up. It's worth it. Um, If If... Everything that we've already mentioned doesn't make it worth it enough. Some of the other member benefits are uh, discounts on Boat US and fishery supplies and, um, you know, and and a few other things that you have uh, discounts for members. Um, and then, of course, it supports the organization and, and everything that you're working towards. Yes. Um, so we really appreciate the work that you're doing. We appreciate you being here for the podcast. And, uh, and we hope we can continue to support you know, everything that uh, Arbaugh is doing. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Bob. Surrounded on a ship of fools Sail away across the water Set the pace Then discover every ocean Every sea Set the pace and discover every